Oregon Employment First, supporting people with intellectual and developmental disabilities to work in community jobs. Learn more at iWorkWeSucceed.org. Hi, and welcome to the Oregon Employment First podcast. I'm Angela Yeager, Communications Officer with Employment First and the Office of Developmental Disability Services. This episode, our guest is Diane Ashley, a vocational rehabilitation counselor in Eastern Oregon. Diane is discussing trainings she has developed for job development in rural areas. Welcome to the show, Diane. Thank you, and thank you for having me. I'm pretty excited to be here today. I'm excited to have you. I um, have worked with Diane a few times over the years on success stories, and uh, don't get to see you in person, but happy to have you on the show. Maybe you could first help us set the stage. What is job development, and what are the challenges of developing jobs in rural communities in Oregon? So job development is the process of locating or creating jobs for individuals in my world, specifically for those with disabilities. People with disabilities sometimes struggle to compete with the general public in the employment market simply because they have those disabilities. Job development is the process of equalizing that platform for those individuals who have issues that can inhibit their ability to fluidly work and gives them that extra layer of support to find a job, maintain the job, and retain it long term. In rural areas, Angela, jobs can be really difficult to find because there are fewer opportunities. In areas like Pendleton, for example, where there is not a lot of commercial growth, it's a production-based agricultural type community, so there's not a lot of the business commercial growth that takes place there. So what happens is with that mom and pops tend to spring up. And mom and pops are those little owner-operated shops that might litter a street if you were to come into the town, meaning there were a lot of them. With mom and pop businesses, those individuals generally focus on hiring family because it keeps the money within the family that they make. They don't make huge amounts of money, so that becomes a necessary process for them in order for them to survive. With that, it limits opportunities for individuals who are not part of the family. So there's just not a lot of opportunities in those rural communities that don't have heavy commercial growth. Yeah, I think that's a great background on that. So I think that in response to some of these challenges of job development in rural communities, um, you've developed a training, and I think it's called JDOT, and you can explain what that stands for. But maybe you could give us some background on this training you developed and how this opportunity came about. Actually, the training was developed by another individual in the state, largely developed by her. There's been others involved in it as well, but Alice Pangburn in the South Salem VR office, she was instrumental in helping getting JDOT created and then putting it together so that as the training coordinator came in, it could be successfully launched. My role in it was the infusion of the rural piece because that's something that was not part of the process originally. So job developer training originated as a result of the need to replace an old model that the state of Oregon was using called EOP2. It was heavy, and not the most productive anymore. It kind of outlived its usefulness, and it was very, very cost prohibitive. Uh, A lot of people just couldn't afford it. So JDOT was birthed to replace that model, 
and be something more applicable to what we look like now as opposed to what it looked like in the 1980s or 1990s and provide for the needs of clients and agencies that provide developmental services more successfully. So job development itself teaches about what job developing might look like, what area partners might be part of your team in developing for clients, and what expectations vocational rehabilitation would have of you as a developer, the paperwork that you might need to complete, and there's a lot of it. In the rural piece that I teach, I'm the only one that teaches that part, there is an infusion of the how-tos on developing in a rural setting or a really difficult geographical location because there's some specific things you have to do in order to be successful at it. So your part was really focused on that rural job development part of the training. Mm -hmm. The thing about rural job development or developing in difficult locations is the skill of job development. If you take the JDOT training, the standard training, the skills that you might learn in that are frequently and I can't emphasize that enough, very frequently, not transferable to rural areas or hard to place areas. But the rural piece is transferable the other way. If you can develop in a rural setting, you will most likely find a lot of success in the bigger areas. If you can develop in a big area, you may not find success in the rural areas. I spoke with a gentleman a number of years back from state who He said he had heard a lot of complaints coming out of LaGrande because they did not have job developers. It's hard to keep job developers in rural areas. So he decided he was going to come out this way and show them how to do it. And he told me after about three weeks, he kind of went back home with his tail between his legs, so to speak, like a puppy, a whipped puppy, because he discovered it is not at all. Developing in rural areas was not at all like developing in bigger areas. And he learned that the hard way. And that actually is a story that underscores the truth of this. Developing in rural areas, if you can do it there, you most likely will be successful in other larger places. But if you are successful in a larger place, you may not be successful in a rural area. So to follow up, Diane, what are some specifics, without getting into too much detail of the training, but what are some specific differences, you know, that's offered in the part of the training that you develop for the rural job developers or hard to place areas? There really is just one. It's the same training. They have me use the JDOT training that is put on by the state. So it's the exact same training with one exception. There's a rural component infused in day three for the job development training. That rural component discusses the how-tos of developing in a rural setting if you want to be successful. Mm -hmm. So that really is the only difference between the two. I know that job development training through vocational rehabilitation has been in person in the past. Can you explain the benefit of providing online and local trainings in the field? Absolutely. So It used to be that there was one trainer for the job developer training or job developer orientation training, JDOT. And that person was responsible for the entire state. In order for her or him to come out into more rural locations, they had to have a certain number of class size to justify the trip. And they struggled to get that class size filled, and so they would schedule it and then cancel it. 
that meant individuals needing to take that class would have to reschedule or others who had never scheduled that wanted to take it had to schedule and they always had to transfer distances in order to take the class. I remember that a number of years ago, I was doing a tour of Eastern Oregon with an ODDS representative and a YTP representative. And YTP is for Youth Transition Network, and his title was TNF, Transition Network Facilitator. So the three of us were doing a tour of Eastern Oregon, hitting a lot of the offices that worked with individuals who had disabilities. And it was interesting to observe how that, depending on which office we were in, that office might focus heavy on just one of us. They'd take the information from all three, but their questions were really directed at one specific individual within our group. And one of the offices that we hit that focused on VR with questions, what I remember the most about them is they complained heavily about the travel time. They never could uh, get an individual to the JDOT when they were supposed to, because by the time that they were able to get registered, since the classes filled up fast, then this person may have washed out or moved to a different job, and then they lost their developer because they didn't get the training on time when they needed it. There was just a host of problems involved in them keeping developers. But their biggest complaint was the cost involved in travel and the cost to take the class. So that prompted me to come back and work with the state training facilitator and seeing if we could get a class set up out here. We made the attempt and she couldn't get a class size big enough to come, which meant people were going to have to travel again. So I asked them to please let me, because I had in my former life job had done a lot of trainings, asked them if they could please give me permission to do the JDOT training out here in person. And then the state trainer, we wouldn't have to worry about class sizes because since she couldn't come out for, unless there was a certain number. And then also the individuals out here could not only get it in a timely manner, but they wouldn't have to travel very far. So I waited for a while while the, you know, all the powers that be weighed in on it and finally made a decision to approve it. And they allowed me to launch it. So we started doing it out here in person, and that was more successful. I think the biggest class size I had was 12, which would be small compared to what they do down in the state trainer does. But I told them as long as I had at least four or five people in the class so that we would have enough to do the activities, then I would continue with it. And every class, I've only had to cancel one since we did that, and that was because of the stay-at-home order but every class has had enough in it for me to be able to do it. With the stay-at-home order, it moved to online, which ended up being an even more positive process because now there is no travel involved other than to your nearest computer. And the cost that was involved, there was a $50 cost before because of published materials, that went away. So JDOT is quite literally free now if a person can register and get to a computer to take it. So that has been the best benefit for everyone involved in providing the online trainings. Right. So just easier to access, cheaper, all of those good things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to take a quick break for a message and we'll be right back. 
Do you want a career that makes a difference? Consider a job where you get to work with people with developmental disabilities. ImpactOregon.careers is a new website. It's where you'll find hundreds of careers to choose from that make a real difference. Jobs range from direct care to administrative and technical fields, from entry level to advanced. Find a career where you can help change someone's life. Go to ImpactOregon.careers. This message is from the Office of Developmental Disability Services and the Oregon Association of Broadcasters. Okay, we are back with the Employment First podcast. I'm here with Diane Ashley, a vocational rehabilitation counselor in the Pendleton area who has developed some rural job development training, or at least a section in the JDOT trainings offered through vocational rehabilitation, specifically on rural job development. And Diane, I wanted to talk to you a little bit now about what are some of the positive outcomes that you've seen from providing these trainings in your local area? So again, probably the biggest benefit is the cost savings. People don't have to put a lot of money out. Well, they don't have to put any money out front to take the class. The classes are set up so that they can take them more frequently. If they have somebody new coming on board, they don't have to wait until the next time that an open availability for the state is offered for them to get signed up. They can just look and see what's local that they're able to sign up for. Training locally is more applicable to a rural setting, so it speaks more to what they're going to do. And probably one of the biggest benefits is with job development, you know, one of the main purposes of that is to serve clients. That's what it's about, serving clients. So when they do online training for job development, they're able to complete, it's a a three-morning class, so you do it three mornings in a row, they're able to complete one of those trainings. And then that afternoon, they can do hands-on in real time, implementing some of the things that they learned in that training, which is not something they were able to do before. So it literally, quite literally now is training boots on the ground. So how do you see these JDOT trainings being provided in the future? Or how would you like them to be provided? I believe they're considering the possibility of making virtual permanent, a permanent delivery system due to the cost savings involved. I don't have the final word on that yet, though, so I'm not sure yet if it's going to happen. But I I believe they're considering it for me because of how successful it's been. I feel like it's the best mode for delivery of that program. So I would like to see it stay virtual because I think it provides for the agencies in rural locations the best. And beyond the cost issue, what other feedback have you received from attendees regarding these job development trainings? When I teach it, I always provide a survey and ask them to complete it. Not everyone does, you know, of course. But for those I have gotten back, I got all but one of the um, surveys that I got back had nothing but positive to say. They really liked the training. They especially appreciated the rural piece because they felt a little lost. And now they have direction in rural areas on what to do. They might have struggled with paperwork, so they understand that better. They really, really, really like it. The one negative I got was because the first year I did it in person, it was hot outside and I decided I was going to provide bottled water for everyone. And so I brought a pack. And unfortunately, and unbeknownst to myself and my assistant, someone where I had purchased that had gone through and poked little holes in all the water bottles. And so they were leaking, but it was a very slow leak in every one of them. So when I brought those in, the water went 
and people started using them, the water was leaking all over their paperwork and all over the table. So I got a lot of complaints about the water, but that had nothing to do with JDOT. And I learned a valuable lesson from that is just don't provide water anymore. <laughs> and now, of course, with the virtual, you don't have to worry about that at all. No, no, no. So virtual is a good process and it's worked out really well. Right. And no leaky water bottle. So no. it's a win-win. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, thank you very much, Diane. I think this has been really informative. I hope that people continue to, I know that you're involved with the rural job development group or the rural stakeholder group. And I know that we're continuing. And by we, I mean, Office of Developmental Disabilities and Vocational Rehabilitation and our partners in education continuing to try to look at ways to increase cat capacity in rural areas of Oregon. And And this is just one of many of the tools we're looking at. So I really appreciate you being with us today. Thank you, Angela. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. This has been the Employment First Podcast. 